God would have us take hold of for the year as a church. It's something she has taken for breathe, Andrew's taken for breathe by way of the theme. But we want us to be, this to be our word for the year, okay? That in everything we do, we'll keep coming back to this word. It's this word, brave. Brave. We want this year to adopt a mentality throughout the year that does not look back last year and say, didn't we achieve so much and we kind of rest in our laurels and we, we get comfortable and then we fail to step out to look for the impossible. That we get somehow into that leaning back rather than leaning in. It's that stepping back rather than stepping in. And as we go into 2016, we want to say to us as a church, let's step in, let's be brave. It's essential that we keep imagining the possibilities or maybe imagining the impossibilities. We mustn't, having come to this stage in our vision journey, we mustn't start to play it safe. This is not the year to play it safe. How about that young Indian cricketer this week? Anybody see that on the news? He hit 1,009 runs in a single innings. New, new record. Now he didn't, this is, this is what he hit. He hit 59 sixes and 127 fours in 395 minutes. And they declared their innings with 1,465 runs against the other score. He didn't get to that figure by hitting defensively. This is me pretending now I know how to play cricket. I haven't got a clue. But it, I know you can play defensively or you can go for it and hit that ball. And he stepped out of his crease and he hit it all around the pitch. Is it a pitch you call it in cricket? All around the ground. Everywhere. Because he stepped into it bravely. He hit bravely. C3 this year, let's hit bravely. I want to read a passage to you that I think is a passage that applies to us this year and the place we're at as a church. This is from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 in your outline notes. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I honestly believe, for us at C3, the 2016 is an open door year. Here's my door. Isn't it adorable? This, sorry, that, that was spontaneous. That just came to me in the moment. This, this is my neighbor. My neighbor is building an extension. And thankfully, these were outside in the skip. And I asked them, could we borrow a door? We're not borrow, we're keeping it. 2016 is our open door year. We are sitting in an open door opportunity. When the Bible talks of an open door, it's in your notes here from a guy called Gerald 
Hawthorne. It's speaking about boundless opportunities of unlimited chances to do something worthwhile. 2016 is a year of grand openings into a new and unknown adventures of significant living, of heretofore unimagined chances to do good, to make our lives count for eternity. It's an open door year. This building, I believe we are sitting in an open door opportunity. It's still relatively new. I know the scratches have appeared on walls now, there's stains on the carpet, just like there should be, you're all looking around at the carpet now, just like there should be after 10,000 people, which is the number we've now known since September 27th to now, have walked through this building. It's going to get messed up, isn't it? It's inevitable. If 10,000 people have been through our house in this last three months, we'd be redecorating. But it's not going to be new forever. But please, in 2016, our open door moment, let's milk this place for all we possibly can by way of opportunity. The writer here in the book of Revelation, he says that the door, see, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. The thing with open doors is they've still got to be walked through. God doesn't say to them, Jesus doesn't say to them, and look, I put before you an open door, and on the other side of the open door is this, 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 and this, and this is the way you to go. He doesn't tell them what's beyond there. He just says, you've got an open door opportunity. You can walk through it. See, I've be put, put before you an open door. I hope this doesn't sound in anyway chauvinistic but my dad who's um, gone to be with the Lord he's in heaven right now he instilled in me a certain way to walk through doors if you're in the presence of women I can still hear his voice now he would say to me if you're going into a door and the door isn't open open it let's just open it this way <laughs> there is a man behind the door <laughs> He said, open it for them. Or if you have to walk in front of them, then stand to one side and let them through. And even now, if I go through, which way are we going? <laughs> if I go through a door and I go ahead of a woman that I'm walking through, I still feel guilty. And I still hear my dad's voice saying, that's rude. Walk, open the door for them. Just the way I am. That's the way I am. But this is what I want to say. God opens the door and then invite you to walk through. God says this is an open door moment. Walk through. The choice to walk through is still yours. He's not pushing you through the door. He may be encouraging you through. And you'll find this. He will walk through you. This is the way God operates. He will walk through with you. He's a God of the open door and he will go with us. But the choice is yours and mine. And what scares me silly is that we, nay, I, can ignore open door opportunities. I've done it before, I can do it again. And all over we see people ignore open door opportunities. Look at this story that we know so well that I put in your notes from Jonah. This is Jonah chapter 1. Jonah's the one who got swallowed by a big fish, a whale if you like. Jonah and the whale, everyone seems to know that story. But this is how it starts. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Atamai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah was given an open door opportunity. Jonah, the door's open. Go to Nineveh and preach to them. Uh, It's a great city, but they're living a life of debauchery. Go, Jonah. And Jonah refuses the open door and goes the other way. It was his moment he could have walked through the door. But he ran in the opposite direction. Now, why? Primarily, I think simply because he was frightened. Nineveh was the capital city of a superpower, Assyria. The Assyrians were not known for being kind and merciful people. They'd been barbaric in the way they dealt with other nations. They were the, the city by Nahum, another prophet, was called the city of blood. You can't blame Jonah for a moment being a little bit scared. Why don't you send Nahum? Nahum prophesied against this other city, against Nineveh, saying they were evil, saying there was a downfall coming, saying the people would clap their hands in joy when they fell. You can imagine Jonah saying, Why don't you send him? He's prophesying in the comfort zone from Israel. Why don't you send him? But God says, no, I've given you an open door opportunity. Go. And he goes in the exact opposite direction, Tarshish. Tarshish was a nice city seaport. The phrase in the Bible that's often used about ships of Tarshish, which means that they were a, there was an arrogance, there was, there was a trade that went on there. They were rich, they were wealthy, they were comfortable. And we find out that instead of going that way, he goes that way. And he runs to Tarshish. And he escapes what should be the now open door moment in order to go through what was opened for him. John Orberg, in, in this book called All the Places to Go, tells a story of an account of a friend of his. He says, I think of a man I know who loves to teach. He has a passion for children to be able to learn. If he would allow his passion for education to reveal divine doors in his life, he would have made a fabulous school teacher. Thank God for school teachers, hey? There's at least seven of us who are teachers in the room. Hip, hip teachers. He'd have made a great school teacher. But he was from a highly successful family. His parents would have been a little embarrassed for him to be, inverted commas, just a teacher. They said to him, you should explore other options. Having options of making more money and obtaining a higher status actually got in the way of what could have been his dream calling. He ended up making lots more money Then he would had he become a teacher. He just missed out on life. He got an MBA, but it was from the University of Tarshish. What open door moment has God put before you this year? What open door moments is God giving to us? And some of us, we've got to get out of our comfort zone and we've got to say, yes. Yes. Not Tarshish, Nineveh. Now hear this. 
Let's try and break this concept of what we have in the Western world. We think if God's opened the door, then on the other side, it's all hunky-dory and easy. This is an easy life. Open door moments lives to just easy, flowing. Everything's good. Open door moments can lead you into really hellish situations. But still God have opened it. It's still Nineveh where the barbarians and they're against you, Jonah. So he runs to comfort zone. Don't ever think because life is hard, that simply means it wasn't an open door. Life just does get hard sometimes. And often when we get to these open door moments, what we think is, should I, shouldn't I? There's a kind of tug of war that goes on. So in Isaiah, he sees that they need someone to go and speak the message. But he says, well, but I can't go. I'm a man of unclean lips. Maybe he was saying, I've got Tourette's, I swear a lot. And a coal is sent from heaven to clean his lips. What about a Moses? He's been brought up in the household of Egypt. He's going to lead the people of Israel. God says, you're the man, you're the spokesman. You're going to go to the superpower leader, Pharaoh. And he says, but, but, but I, can't, I can't string two words together. I, I can't talk properly. So he's tugging with God. No, no, no. What about the rich young ruler in the New Testament? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I live forever? Jesus says, sell all that you've got and give it to the poor. Everything. Because you're worshipping that rather than the God who can give you eternal life. And this is what it says. So that's an open door moment. Here's an open door moment for the rich young ruler. Sell everything and follow me. And the rich young ruler, it says, goes away with his head down, sad. He missed his moment. He missed going through the open door. He said no to God. Let me just say this. Whenever we say no to God, God doesn't lose out. We do. In a tug of war, sometimes God wins. Sometimes he doesn't. We win. But whenever we win, if it's a no to God, we've lost. Do you hear that? We feel we've won the tug of war, but we've still lost if it's been a no to God. It says of Jonah, the, the bottom verse here, that he sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Or one version says to flee from the presence of the Lord. He was scared, he was frightened, and the antidote to that fear was the presence of God. But guess what he runs away from? God's presence. I'm going to make a confession to you now, which may be true for some of you as well. Fear, and it's trying to grip your life, my life, never, ever, the battle for overcoming fear never stops. Never. Every single day of my life, I fight fear. Every single day. Some mornings, I'm not best in the mornings. I wake up and I have to battle the fear that would grip me. I've been sitting in meetings where there's been people <laughs> prophesying certain things, not literally saying this can't be done, that can't be done. And I'm fighting on the inside fear. There is only one antidote to fear. And Jonah ran away 
not just from the open door, but it says he ran away from God. We need God's presence. And God's presence is... A, you know, the, 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 I've not, never ever checked this figure because I've read it so many times. You will have done if you've read any books. It says that there are 365 times in the Bible, one, from, one for every day of the year, where it, there's a command that says, Fear not, for I am with you. Would someone do a word search for me and check that out because I quote it all the time, but it sounds good, doesn't it? It's a good preaching line. Fear not, for I am with you. If it's true... The command comes so often because the occasions to fear are so numerous all the time. So my appeal to you and to me, I'm speaking to myself this year, is come on, let's be brave. Let's not pull back. This isn't the moment to pull back. We were born to be brave. Joshua chapter 1 says it so well. We should speak it to ourselves daily. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's a consistent command. And I want to say to us this year as we go forward, I'm going to give you some questions where maybe the Holy Spirit could apply to your life where you need to be brave this year. And in sharing on them, I'm sharing also some of the detail of what we are doing as a church as we go forward. Let me just say this before I do that. This, what I've got put up here, has got to be true for every church and every organization. You can take this and apply it to your work situation tomorrow. Every, and I'll talk about a church, every church needs to know what it is about. Our what is stated in this, reaching and shaping a generation with the message and cause of Christ. That's what we exist for as a church. We're here to preach Jesus Christ. Our reason is stated in that mission statement. Then we have a vision statement, some of which we fulfilled, other of which is yet to be fulfilled, which is growing all the time of what we're meant to do. Then we need to know how do we do it. We need to have a strategy to achieve that. Our strategy comes down to basically building the local church. We will make disciples by building the local church. We will reach the lost through the local church. We will do community action through the local church. Everything we're about comes back to local church. We are local church junkies unashamedly. There is the universal church that's everywhere, that's in history and in geography. But every church has to get local. And the how we are going to reach and shape a generation is through the local church. And then you must come back to this in the center. And if my wife would have done this, it'd look much better. That's kind of a heart. This is the heart of all we do. Why? And the why we do... Some of you are laughing at my artwork, and I'm most offended. The why of what we do is because we love God and we love people. The why comes down to that one word, if you can't see that. Love. Love, love, L-O-V-E. And the more you love God, the closer you get to God, the more you put your head on his chest, you'll hear his heartbeat, which is, I love you, I love you, I love you. Go and tell others. Go and tell others. Go and tell others. I love you, I love you, I love you. Go and tell others. Go and tell others. Go and tell others. That's God's heartbeat. And the why we do what we do is because we love God. And we love people that God made in his image and likeness, no matter how tarnished. 
And so I'm going to put before you four questions of how we might respond and be brave and courageous. Round of applause for the doorman. <laughs> A walking door. I want to give you just four questions and then unpack how you can respond in this next hour or so before we finish. Number one, who are you inviting slash bringing? And I don't just mean inviting, I mean bringing. Because you can invite anyone, but sometimes you just need to come with them. So don't just say to them, hey, we have a great service every Sunday. Well, bring them. I'll pick you off. Would you like to come? Invite and bring. And here are some opportunities we want you to invite and bring. The Alpha Supper. Alpha is used of God in this nation, has been historically, has been in this church to reach people who don't know Jesus and to help them grow in their faith. We've been running it for years. This year we've just gone down to two in order to make them bigger. And on February the 11th, the day before my daughter's 18th birthday, that's why I see it in my memory, uh, we're going to have an Alpha Supper here. That's what we're throwing. We're throwing a party for our daughter. It's called Alpha Supper. No, we're having it here and it's going to be a meal, beautiful meal. And we've invited a guest speaker who is one of J. John's associate evangelists. He's one of the clearest communicators of the gospel you'll ever hear. It's, it's, his name is Mark Ritchie. You heard it earlier. We love Mark. We love what he does. He went through the UK a few years ago with a cross on his back where people could put their burdens or prayer requests into the cross. It was made of wire meshing. Then in the evening, he did a meeting in different places and saw many come to faith in Christ. He's a great communicator. Then on that night, we want to pack it for Alpha Supper stands alone in itself. You can just come to that, your friends can, and from that then decide, do they go on the Alpha course? So they're, they're not committing to the course, but it's an ideal opportunity. If you're coming as a C3 church member, you have to pay for the meal. Unless you can't afford it, that's always our rule. If you can't afford it, you don't have to pay. If you can afford it, you should pay. But your guests are free of charge for that meal. They can enjoy the evening. They might never come back again, but it's an ideal, fantastic opportunity in our new facility in order to invite Alpha Supper. Then, of course, we have every single Sunday is an opportunity to invite and bring, invite and bring. What can we do? Invite and bring. Look at the numbers around us today, guys. Our numbers were good in the first. There isn't a lot of space. I'll say more about that. But there are still empty seats and therefore people that don't yet know Jesus or are part of the C3 community. Every Sunday. We've got conferences. Our, our Breathe conference is coming up. This will be the very best ever, ever, ever women's conference we've done in our history at C3. Certainly the best one we've ever done here in this building because it's the first one. And the brochure is fantastic, isn't it? It really is the way the guys have done this. But, but the speakers... Angie will be speaking, uh, our team will be speaking, but we've got um, Margaret Stern from uh, Australia. We love Margaret Stern. She's one feisty lady. She led a church in Dunstable, just down the road, as it were, for a number of years, even when the denomination she was part of said she couldn't. That's how feisty she was. She led it. She, she's a pioneer. She went to South Africa to lead the church there or be involved in leadership. She's now in Hillsong, Australia. We love Margaret and we're flying her over for this conference. That's how big a deal 
as well as Priscilla Reed, who we love from Belfast CFC. She'll be with us on the, that, that weekend as well, on the Friday and the Saturday. Who do you know that you can bring? They will love it. Same for the Ascend Men's Conference later in the year. There are opportunities to invite and bring. Second question. Got to go quickly. Where are you serving in community? I added the in community because we don't want people just in isolation. It's within the body. It's together. Where are you serving? We are so aware, more than ever, having moved into here and the, the rising of, raising of our game and all of that that we've got to do in coming in, that we are totally dependent upon volunteers. Volunt all, all these musicians this morning, the way they volunteer their hours. All the stewards, all the centre managers, all the connect group leaders, volunteers are where it is at. As a leadership, we are grateful. We cannot do without, without the army of volunteers that we have. Now, we have a staff. We had our Christmas meal, uh, Christmas, funnily enough, for the staff. And I walked in, I thought, I didn't know we had all these people on staff. I did really. But I thought, wow, it grows over the years. I think we've got nearly 20 staff now. Not all full time. I thought, it's fantastic. They're, they're, they're committed. All of our staff work voluntary hours as well as that which they're committed for. So they're committed to this. So we have volunteer, we have staff members, but there's only one difference between a volunteer and a staff member, and that's that they're getting paid for some of the hours they do, not all of it. And many of them could be earning a lot more somewhere else than working for the church. But they decide, they feel that. And, but I don't want there to be a difference where we see staff and volunteers. We want the same excellence, the same attitude, the same approach, the same devotion. Don't you dare sidestep your responsibilities as a volunteer and push it onto a staff member. You take responsibility for your leadership where I don't want to hear anyone. I'm going, well, I'm going up on one now, I can feel it, rising up. I don't want to hear anyone saying, oh, well, they're on staff. They get paid for it. So what? Your attitude should be just the same. Stop your whinging and your moaning and organize yourself appropriately so as that together we do it. We need staff and non-staff and there's no difference ultimately in attitude and heart that we want together. We need each other. Like I've said in the past, I know I get paid for doing this. I get paid for being good and you're good for nothing. But that's the way it goes, if you understand that. If you are a volunteer in this church, from here on in, let's correct one another. If someone says to you, are you on staff? You don't have to say no and just leave it at that. Say, no, I'm not on staff, but I'm on team. Okay, Charlie volunteers in some areas. Chris volunteers in some areas. So someone says, Chris, are, are, you, are you employed by the church? Well, well, you are, but as a volunteer. I'm on team. I'm on team. Let's use that phrase. We're on team. If you volunteer in any area of the church, you're on team. And together we win. We need one. Now, anyone who's not on team, please, don't get guilty if your hours don't allow your stage of life, your health. If you can't serve in an area, I don't want anyone to feel guilty. Guilty is the worst form of motivation for doing anything. So I'm not saying it never works, but use it sparingly. <laughs> You're on team. You're on team. So what we're going to do, we want to honor our volunteers. 
We want to train our volunteers and we want to inspire our volunteers and the team. So we're introducing three times a year what we're going to call team nights. So if you're serving in any area or you want to serve and you can go to that night and find some of the department heads. So in order to say, I'd like to serve in this area, you can come along to that. We won't just take everyone, by the way. If you're not best gifted to be on the welcome team because you're a miserable old fart, <laughs> oh Lord, please forgive me, you, then probably, <laughs> probably you're not best suited on that job. We'll put you behind the scenes somewhere or teach you how to smile. I've lost you, I know, but... Am I allowed to use the word fart in the church service? I just have twice now. This is my point. We, we want the right people in the right places. Some jobs you just have to get done. So we'll all serve together. But we'll have these team nights, and the goal of those team nights is to inspire, train, and equip. Inspire, train, and equip. And we'll do those three times a year for this. It means that the night that we used to have set aside for C3 Community, C3 Community won't be happening in 2016. There will be no more C3 Communities, but there will be team nights. There are many opportunities to serve, not only on Sundays, but in the week, increasingly so. Coldham's Coffee Shop opened this last week, three days a week. Come along, bring your friends. Bring for coffee, 8.30 to 2.30 every day and then 4 o'clock on a Friday. So Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday, 8.30 to 2.30. If any of you can volunteer and help, even to be centre hosts, which is not centre managers. We have centre managers who volunteer and we appreciate that. But centre hosts who could just be around for a few hours in the day, who maybe, I, I met an old couple that came in, they were looking for their daughter uh, or sister. I can't remember his daughter or his sister it was. And they said they were at the center. They came to the wrong center. She was at the Horizon Center. So they went to the Horizon Center. Then they came back here and they came for a meal. Someone, I can't remember who it was now, in the, that was here at the meal, took them around the building. That's the kind of thing that we can't staff it because we haven't got the funds right now. The center managers have got other jobs by way of hiring and such like. And we need people just to be here. But Coldham's Coffee, remember I said this, and if you haven't heard me... Coldham's coffee and the way it's equipped and all this AV gear are not toys for us. These are tools. The coffee shop is a tool. It's a tool for creating community. We want people, both church and non-church, to walk into that coffee shop and say, I can get good coffee here. Hopefully food will be coming as well in February and we can just find one another. People are desperate for community. When you meet with some of these people on a Friday, many of them that have come because other areas have rejected them. That's true to say. With mental health issues or disabilities, to just meet with them and dignify them with conversation and a meal. is You can do that. If any of you can volunteer in these areas, we want to hear. Opportunities for serving are many. Then this one I'm going to tell you about. Look at this. I... I received a couple of emails, and I'll read one to you that's here on my iPad and then one from my phone. Uh, Hi, Steve. This is a lady that came to the service last Sunday. Hi, Steve. I was, I was, I'd like to thank you for having us. She came with her daughter and, and her husband. We really did enjoy the whole experience. Sunday should be an experience, by the way. The worship, the sermon, and, of course, the coffee. We are struggling at the moment in an Anglican church which we've been going to for the past year. 
I still believe it's where we're meant to be, but it's so refreshing to hear such a good sermon and to be able to worship. If you don't mind, we would love to visit you to be refreshed every now and again. Then she names her husband. I'll call him Billy, just for illustration's sake. Billy said, do you think the building is big enough? It was great to see so many people in the auditorium. Hope to see you soon. And then this one from a young man from Canada who visited. Dear Steve, I have wanted to write to say how much I appreciated the whole experience. Everyone say experience. What's Sunday about? We experience God primarily, but so much more. It's an experience when you see a sign that tells you where to go and park. It's an experience when someone welcomes you and says welcome. It's an experience. It's not just going to church. You're experiencing people and life. Anyway, I've wanted to write to you so much I appreciated the whole experience of the weekend in Cambridge in early December when my parents celebrated their golden wedding anniversary. The team of volunteers from the church and the facility itself provided just the perfect setting for a great day of spiritual encouragement, testimony, fun, laughter, joy, and happiness. On the Sunday morning, I also got the chance to attend the service when you talked about hope and checkmate. I don't think so. Which, so, which was so powerful a message. Thank you. When I first walked in and experienced the worship, with the leader jumping up and down on stage, pumping the air with his fist. I wasn't sure what was going on, as my church in Canada is a little bit more, shall we say, traditional. But I soon appreciated the heart and passion of the worship. Hear that? Heart and passion. And I wish that I could remember the songs. Can you send them to me? I just wanted to thank you for following the vision, speaking the truth, pastoring the church, and I know when I come back, I'll be visiting C3 again and hope to say thank you in person. We believe we've got a great experience to give to people. So what are we going to do with the fact that sometimes we're over full or there's not enough space? If you're 80% full, you're, 80, you're full. Well, here's the good news. We are starting another celebration. On May the 8th, 2016, we are starting a 5.30 p.m. celebration. Now you can clap. We've done it before. We know there's work involved, but here's what I'm asking some of you. Can you be brave again to maybe double serve, triple serve, whatever you want to do on a Sunday, because we know it's going to take more work. In order that we have more space, it'll be the same as the morning services, because actually we don't think there's anything wrong with the morning services. We're not trying to create another meeting that's different for people to have to come out. We're trying to create more space, because this was the biggest we could build at 7 million, and in the space that we could find, but we want people to come back and experience God. So we'll be, we'll be saying a lot more about that. That's just the headline. It's happening. I'll leave it at that. Also to remind you this, on 21st of May, we are doing our biggest community action day that we've ever known in the history of C3. We, why will it be bigger? Because there's businesses that want to couple with us that year to work with us. Hopefully some from city centre businesses and together we'll be doing a community action day. We want everyone out for that day. It's an all church events. Okay, question number three. What are you doing to grow yourself in 2016? What are you doing? To, it's your responsibility. You've got to devote yourself. Don't, I'm, we're not here to spoon feed you. You've got to walk through the door of opportunity. We give lots of opportunities, but you must walk through the door. Here's one opportunity. 
Again, over the Lent season, which I think is February 10th, 11th, around that time, through to Easter, we're going to be doing 40 Acts. 40 Acts is where individuals, connect groups, or as a church, we do different events or different uh, opportunities of giving rather than just giving up. Lent is usually about giving up something as you head towards Easter, like chocolate or TV or Facebook. But we want to do it where we're giving out rather than giving up. And we're doing it with stewardship. And here's some news. You can't tweet this or announce it yet. But songs of praise, BBC songs of praise, through stewardship and our connection with them, have asked, could they come in and do a four-minute presentation related to one of the 40 acts that we as a church will do? We've got to do that before Easter, before Lent, because it's going out on February the 14th. A four-minute, one of our acts that we will do. And do you know how many people watch Songs of Praise? Three to four million people. It's gone down over the years, but it's still a lot of people. Three to four million people. And they've come to us to do one of the, the four-minute slots. As well, they'd like us then to tweet and after that event and to Facebook and to put videos up that, that we can send to the BBC that they'll show of some of the acts just spontaneously that have been going on. So we need to get right behind it. But it's an open-door opportunity. 40 acts. Secondly, this is another opportunity. We believe we're going to grow to such an extent this year that we've got to be sharp on our discipleship because we're not just about growing the church large, we're about growing large people. I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. So we want to make sure that any new people, and you might be within the sound of my voice, it doesn't take them years to get to becoming a member of C3. So that they come and they say, oh, the next membership course is at the end of the year. We're going to start where we're having every single week over lunch a membership course, which we're not calling membership anymore. We're calling it a discovery track. And it's where you can discover your part, your place in C3 as a church. As you can hear about our vision. You can hear about uh, opportunities to serve. And you can say, get from the place of saying, it's your church to be my church. Every single Sunday, starting the first week in February, and it will be a rolling program. So the first week is week one, second week is week two, third week is week three, fourth week is week four. And you said, well, I can't get to week three this month. Well, week three will be running next month as well. It will start with a lunch, uh, which will be a very light lunch. It will be an hour session, and we'll be out of here by about three o'clock in the afternoon. But this year... We're going to run that every single Sunday. Perhaps maybe not in August and perhaps maybe not in December. But the rest of the time, we'll do it every single week. And it enables people that are new and want to get involved quickly. We're not got a long process, but we're bringing them through as they arrive. The discovery track. Two other areas where you can get involved and grow. We have the pleasure this year of being able to host a church and culture conference with James Emery White. Effectively, they've said to us, they want to come and do this, and can we do it here? But we'd love you all to book in. We'll give you more information. But this is what's exciting. James Emery White is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's the president of an organization called Serious Times, as well as having been a, um, a, a theological seminary uh, professor. He still is, Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary. He was the president of that for many years. He's one of the best thinkers 
in regards to reaching the unchurched that I've ever heard. His last book was all about reaching the religiously unaffiliated. Those that say they are not religious at all. And we've got him here with his team on the 23rd of April for a day. And you can come to that and book in for that. This year we'll be doing it. And then secondly, or in relation to new conferences, I'm going to show you a little DVD clip of the Global Leadership Summit. This is happening in November, November 11th and 12th this year. No matter where you lead, this conference could help you. The GLS that Angie and I went to, which was in Chicago, you'll hear the figures in a minute, has had an incredible influence on training and releasing leaders. And not only from the church, but people in business and academics and right, full spectrum of different areas of society. And we are running that here this year. It'll be first in Chicago and then it goes out to different places. Have a look at this. This is to why you should come to the Global Leadership Summit 2016. We are committed to a singular idea that inspired, encouraged, and equipped Christian leaders create thriving local churches passionate about redeeming their communities for Christ. This is the heartbeat of Willow Creek Association. Everyone has influence. The question isn't whether you have influence. The question is whether you are stewarding it or not. We believe the local church is the hope of the world, but only when it's working right. And for it to work right, it must be well-led. The stakes are high. This is why the Global Leadership Summit was born. The summit is a two-day world-class experience for serious-minded leaders who want to get better. It is intellectually rigorous. It is creatively inspiring. And the summit is unapologetically Christ-centered. Every year, WCA carefully curates a faculty of top leadership experts across a variety of sectors. Church, business, nonprofit, academic, and government. Because we believe that leaders can learn from anyone. An aspect that sets the summit apart is our intentionality to engage not just a leader's mind, but also their heart. Leaders don't just leave equipped, they leave inspired. For many of the two million leaders we've trained, the summit is not just one of many leadership experiences they have each year, it's the experience. So each year, hundreds of host sites step up and partner with us to leverage the summit and impact leaders in their church and community. There is something powerful that happens when leaders gather in their own context. And we believe that in this shared experience, everyone wins when a leader gets better. At WCA, we have a deep conviction that it's unacceptable for geography or economic means to limit leaders' access to the Global Leadership Summit. Every church that hosts, every individual who attends, every person who gives, makes it possible for leaders around the world to have access to the summit who wouldn't otherwise. This is why the Global Leadership Summit takes place in 700-plus cities, in more than 50% of the countries in the world, and some 45 languages, so that leaders across the globe can experience the summit in their own unique cultural context. The summit is an unprecedented global movement of Christian leaders making lasting change in the world. In the decades to come, it will become even more critical that the local church is working right. The church is still God's plan to redeem and restore our broken world. And it all starts when God transforms a 
a leader. Everyone wins when a leader gets better. Love that phrase. And we're all leaders in life. You'll be all invited to that. There'll be cost involved in it, but it is world class. And we're doing that here in Cambridge. One last opportunity to grow yourself. This year we want to grow in prayer. If there was be one area of disappointment I had for 2015, it was that sometimes our prayer meetings weren't as well attended as we would have liked. That doesn't mean they weren't effective because it doesn't take a lot of people to have effective prayer. But I'd like to see more of us sheltering that. But everyone tells me Saturday morning is not a great time to do that. So rather than 2016, we're going to be doing half nights of prayer, which uh, maybe some of the elements of the community that we have might come into that as well. And we'll have prayer stations, and it'll be from something like 6 o'clock in the evening to 12 o'clock at night. We haven't decided exact time, and everyone will be invited three times a year. Same number of hours by doing it every Sunday for an hour, but it giving us a different context on those three occasions. I've closed with this last question, and then just briefly, we'll finish. We won't have a song or anything. What are you giving in financial terms? Guess what? Everything I've just talked about costs money. And we do not love money, but we do need it. And we only do what we do because of generous givers. And if you, are a gener if you give regularly, thank you. If you don't give regularly, step up your game. Come on, I'm disturbing the comfortable. If you're not a tither, we believe the first 10% of our income goes to God through the local church. If you're not at that place to do that yet, then start giving something, but make it regular. We would say this, and it's on your seats in these envelopes. Standing order is of God. It means you don't forget. I'm going to show you in a minute what our income was last year. And sometimes it goes up and down, and that's all right, it will. But standing order helps us with our cash flow and planning. And you can give on standing order or gift aid. If you're not a gift aid payer, you re if you're not a, a, a gift aid individual, you need to fill in a gift aid, which is on there for you to fill in if you need to. That is, if you're a UK taxpayer, we can claim back 25p in every pound that you give. Thank you for your giving, but consider, if you've had a pay rise, have you remembered to raise your giving to the church? I hope you've had a pay rise. Have you remembered to give? If you haven't, think about it. Standing order is good and of God, but you can forget sometimes. I don't mind talking like this, by the way. Some of you give incredibly incredibly. We've given in the last few years, five years now, 20% of our income away, Angie and I. It's a joy to give. There is a joy in giving. Jesus said that. Come on, raise your game if you need to. If you're in other situations, we want to aid you and comfort you. But if you're now in a position to give beyond where you've been, come on, raise your game. Look at this up here, and if you will, on this chart, I'll just show you. This is our giving from 20. 15, last year. It's around about when it peaks, £70,000 a month. By the way, this is the financial report for the year. This is it. You're getting it, nothing else. Go to the website and you'll find the rest of it, but this is it. 70000 was our peak, but sometimes it went down to under fifty. That's quite a variance. So we'd like it to stay steady, not even at 70000 About 100 this year would be great. That would help us to get up to... I think I'm joking. To get up to our levels to do what we want to do, to that, that kind of level would, would really be good because of regular giving. 
if you can give on standing order, we don't like peaks and troughs. Well, we like peaks. Difficult to have a peak without a trough, isn't it? But we like you to keep up there. So that's a great year. In overall, in relation to our budget of what we set based on 2014 for 2015, we're 11% up. In the last quarter, hear this, based on what the year before was, we were 25% up. That's a massive figure. 25% in the last three months above where we were uh, uh, planned for the year before is a big rise. Let's stay there and keep going. Amen? So you have opportunity to give regularly or to the vision offering. Our vision offerings will take place in April and October, those dates. All these dates, if you've been scribbling them down manically or on a, a, a form here that we printed for you that you can take with you, there's only one date that's wrong on there, which is one of the prayer encounters, which is 13th of May, not the 3rd. So check that out. That's different. That's wrong. But everything else is correct. Take those. Organize your life around it. I'm serious. If you prioritize what we do, then organize your life around these dates so you can be involved. Because the local church is the hope of the world. That's for you to take with our message for the year. Brave 2016. Be strong and courageous. Some churches concentrate on soul winning, others on experiencing God, others on the churches of family, still others on learning, or others perhaps on the social conscience. What we're trying to do, guys, is keep all of that intention together. We don't want to just be an experiencing God church, but we do want to experience God. We don't want to be just a social action church, though we do want to do social action. We don't want to just be a classroom-based church, though we do want to do courses where people can grow in their discipleship. We want to keep all of those together healthy because we don't just want to build a massive church. We want to build a healthy church. And the two should go together because we want to make disciples of Jesus. Where are you going to be brave in 2016? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the incredible opportunities that you give us like this. Help us to be strong and courageous. In this year, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us. There's a prayer team that will be down here. Next week we start a new series, the I Am series, looking at Jesus and his claims of who he was. For those that are guests, you've got the free coffee. Can I ask you this? We're not using the street enough on this first floor. We're all going into the lounge or down here, and that street looking out is nice and warm. One day we'll get furniture in there and nice pictures on the wall, but we ain't got the money right now to do it. But we wanted to make it much more welcoming than it is. But we still want to use it because we don't want everyone stuck in the lounge. So use the street as well. Look over and pray for the cars that are going past. Or Don't pray for the cars. Pray for the people. And, and have a look at them as you go. God bless you. Love and appreciate you. Bye-bye.